Welcome to Smart Casual, Images Fashion Podcast in collaboration with Kildare Village, dealing with personal style in a way that speaks to you. Hosted by me, Fashion Director Marie Kelly. And me, Eugene O'Connell, Image.ie staff writer. And me, Sarah Rickard, fashion stylist and creative consultant. In our 20s, 30s and 40s, we're three women across three decades with three unique perspectives on how fashion shapes the world. Fashion and personal style are about a lot more than the clothes we choose to put on every morning. They're about the world we live in and who we choose to be. There's a lot to talk about when it comes to fashion and we certainly love a chat. Welcome to Smart Casual. This week we're going to chat about something that all three of us have in common, which is our love of great basics. Although we're different ages and have completely different styles, each one of us understands the importance of anchoring our wardrobes around good quality staples that provide a backdrop for our own personal aesthetic. Later on, I'm going to be chatting to social media expert Alex Calder, who has built her own look around beautifully cut, unfussy pieces that are timeless but modern. Firstly, though, what caught your eye this week, Aideen? So what caught my eye is, I've mentioned this loads of times, but like, Every time I just have to come back to it and it's Valentino and it's obviously Couture Week in Paris and it was just, the show was just unreal. Um, There's a thing called the Pier Polo effect um, that I was reading about this morning and it's that every designer now um, is trying to emulate some way in what what he's doing, especially with Couture. Um, And like I've said this before as well, but I love Couture. I just think it's so fantastical. I just think it's just so nice to look at the clothes and like... You're never go- ever, ever going to wear them. But I think that's like the nice part. Like mm, it kind of... art. It's art, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, and I, I, to be honest, as a whole, I was a bit kind of meh about Couture this week. Um, Chanel seemed more like ready to wear for totally me. Agree. I totally agree. really didn't see where the Couture part was coming into it. Yeah. I even think some of the ready to wear shows were a bit more out there than what they gave us yeah. um, and yeah, Dior as well didn't really give me the whimsical feeling it usually did. it was all black I just wasn't I just wasn't getting that kind of burst where I was like oh my god um, but Valentino like I don't know never doubted it it was just amazing um, in an interview afterwards Pier Paolo explained that um, every look was different to represent human diversity because obviously all the models he chooses are all very diverse um, he'd learn Hutt and Walk oh, the catwalk she adore her she looked amazing She's like, such oh a wonderful look god she was stunning she looked better than Ever. Ever, like, better than all of the younger models put together. Um, and then at the end, he brought out all the seamstresses for I the final that. walk. I loved I that. that. was so That was cute. special. That was very special. They're such a huge part of it. They're a huge part. They're so talented. So talented. Like, they are the ones that are making the clothes. And I thought it was so lovely for them. And they were crying. And it was just so, so Did nice. Did Chanel do that before as well? I think Carl Lagfeld might have done that. It's a beautiful yeah, idea. It's too right, you know. Definitely. They're yeah. such a, they're a family. Like, I think... Yeah. They all, like, especially all the seamstresses with the designer, like, I've watched a few documentaries on it before and there's this lovely connection between them all, obviously, because they put so much love into the clothes. But then the clothes themselves were just unreal. Mm. They were just class. There was leopard print, there was tassels, there was every colour of the rainbow. Like, he just didn't shy away. There was no, like, real trend. Mm. Like, definitely you could see everything was different, just the textures and the details and the music. And I was just Mm. like, ah, so that's my high. Um, Well, my high is um, I got to have a little sneak peek at... um, of the Create showcase, fashion showcase that's going on in Brown Thomas. I was in prepping on Tuesday and I couldn't make the actual launch so I got a sneak peek during the day and when it was nice and quiet and I could actually get a look up close to the pieces and stuff. Um, I love Create. I think it's a fantastic initiative as I've mentioned before. It showcases young Irish design talent 
and um, it was a good, a really nice mix this year. There was a few uh, designers that were back again from last year. So Faye Dinsmore was there with her beautiful Aaron Knits. Uh, Four Threads was there as well. Um, and a few new designers. So Colin Burke, they might have showcased him before actually, mm-hmm. but he wasn't in last year, knitwear designer, um, possibly from Limerick School of Fashion. I think he is. Mm. Yeah, I think so. Uh, last year or the year before, graduated. Incredible talent. Incredible talent. Um, all fabulous knitwear pieces in amazing shapes, bringing it, you know, into contemporary, modern, fresh ideas with knits, you know, that you wouldn't have dreamed of and beautiful, bright colours. So I was really impressed by him. Alison Keneally's connect- collection. I just, I didn't think her stuff could get any more divine but it is out of this world she's using um like mohair and she had this beautiful sculpted mohair dress and a two-piece in cream and then she had her her cape and you know the the, cape yeah amazing that was the cape i sent you about maria yeah Yeah. her stuff is just she has such a vision Mm. and such a way with fabrics which um i think she's kind of really ahead of the game or kind of, you know, on, on another level. I've always thought that about Alison, even with her styling work, you know, she she's a, a real visionary. And then I was absolutely delighted to see Katie Ann McGuigan represented there, who is um, an Irish designer based in London. And she we used her for the Jan Feb issue of Image right, in did. our Irish design showcase. And uh, I couldn't believe the quality of her work. Like, it is serious, Fantastic, international, yeah. high-end design. So she has worked for McHugh and Marc Jacobs. And this collection is inspired by the biker subculture of Japan. Wow. Mm. Uh, but yeah, really stunning. I mean, I didn't I didn't get the, the reference. I just mm. saw really beautifully made pieces with embellishment and bows and tall and the colours, her colour mix like mints and lilacs and ochres. It was just mm. beautiful. And what I loved about when we used her back in, we shot that back in November last year, she does uh, footwear as well. That's right. And her boots were on the cover yes. of the Jan Feb yes, uh, issue of were. Image, which I was like thrilled about. Yeah. So she kind of has a bit of a Balenciaga feel. I can definitely see the Marc Jacobs yeah. and and possibly the McQueen. She's definitely one to watch. And yeah, if you can younger. get in to create, it's really worthwhile. It's fabulous. And then there's all the Milners as well. So Michelle Kearns is back. The Season Hats are back. Leonora Ferguson. And then Ema Roberts, who's the incredible um, jewellery designer, has pieces there. So it's a great little capsule mm. of what's hot in Irish design. Yeah, a good reflection mm. of what's going yeah. on at the yeah. moment. Yeah, absolutely. No, can't yeah. wait to go so in as much. A um, couple of little highs for me this week. And the first one was, of course, seeing Sinead Burke meet Victoria oh. Beckham. Class. <laughs> I'm sorry, but Victoria I was... Beckham's involved. I know. I was like, oh my gosh, how fantastic. And of course, she looked incredible. And I, I don't know where her dress was from, actually, um, <laughs> that Sinead was wearing. It was a beautiful sort of yellow print dress. And it looked gorgeous on her, but um, it wasn't tagged in the okay. post. So I don't know where it was from. Mm. Um, but she looked fantastic. And, um, you know, great pose, the two of them together doing the whole, you know, Spice okay. Girl. Yeah. kind of what do you call that mm. symbol peace that sign peace sign yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> I wasn't going to say two fingers up <laughs> but you know what I mean we do, we do anyway I thought that was really exciting very envious 
of her meeting Victoria Beckham. But again, it just shows um, the world that that Sinead Burke is part of now and um, and how her status just continues to rise. And, and she's pretty incredible. So it's just it's wonderful to see really is it, it, there's no sort of one hit wonder or any, mm-hmm. like she is. She's a player. She's getting better she and better. Is a, a global player in, in the fashion industry. And it's, it's brilliant to see. And then my other high was the um, the August cover of Harper's Bazaar. I don't know if either of you have seen it, but it's beautiful. It's just, um, it's the first cover in a long time that I've just looked at and thought, oh my God, that's so beautiful and mm. different. And I would absolutely run out and buy it based mm. on the cover. It was, it's three gorgeous models um, in a rowing boat in Hyde Park, yeah. surrounded by Stunning. swans. Charlie Harrington ah. style. It's yeah. beautiful. <laughs> it's, I think, the most, the freshest. Yeah. Um, yeah dreamiest mm. summer cover I've seen in a long time and there aren't many covers yeah, that I that, that I that, that make me go kind of wow and and I just thought it was beautiful and um there's a, a the Instagram post below it said something lovely like I've written this down because I knew I would forget it um uh, that the issue is filled with sunshine swans and sisterhood oh that's so cute so I, I will definitely buy be buying the August oh, issue of Harper's Bazaar so that was really really nice so on to our topic of this week, which is um, basics. An interesting one because I didn't think that I would have much to offer on this, funnily enough. And then I started thinking about it. And as it turns out, you know, kind of have a little bit to say about <laughs> basics and the importance <laughs> of them in one's wardrobe. But um, I think the first thing I thought about actually when we were when we were going to talk about, um, about good, solid basics um, was women like Sarah Harris, for instance, um, the Vogue. Uh, well, she's, is she features editor or is she actually deputy editor now? I think she's deputy editor of Vogue now. Um, who, you know, makes makes a sense, she makes basic pieces look directional, and and her mm. it's not like she uses those basics as a sort of an anchor for any other aesthetic. Her aesthetic is basics. Would you not say her hair is the statement? No, no. not really. Okay. I always think, you know, because you're because she's so beautiful and she's got the long grey hair. I personally, you no. know, really want to chop her hair off. But <laughs> Shocker! Off. Sorry, I love. I know I love the color, but like it, it just is so long and wispy. I'm yeah. like, just that just yeah. needs a yeah. good trim. I think I know, but she gets a lot of attention for it. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. She her basics are a statement. She makes. But the them thing look about like it is, a, even you know, occasionally, which I and I love when she pulls her hair back mm, into a ponytail. Mm, even you take mm, that hair away. Yeah. And there is something very distinctive about her yeah, look. Like, very true. But essentially it is all basics. what we would consider basics. Mm-hmm. Um, Phoebe Philo did that. Mm-hmm. I think oh she God, was one no, of the amazing. first women to actually create a look yeah. that was actually just a combination of what we would consider basics, like the grey knit, the white the shirt. Yeah. It was so simple when you think about it, mm. what she did. Yeah. Like, there was and no gimmicks. She made it fashion. Mm-hmm. And it was huge. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think also, you know, when Victoria Beckham does her, you know, white shirt and jeans look, I think, you know, that's that's a really good example of making basics look sort of directional. And again, it's it's all about the styling and those those women are just so clever in mm. terms of how they mix um, textures and, you know, the hues they choose and, you know, comparison to their skin tone. And I, I think it's a really difficult thing to pull off, you know, to, have, to, to build your wardrobe only around basics. Yeah. And some people get away with it. And I definitely wouldn't because I absolutely need colour. I, I, mm. would, I would look like a If I tried to dress like Sarah Harris, it would be, yeah, frightening. Um, I'd be like Miss Havisham or something. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the one thing I would say, and Aideen, I know you agree with me on this, is that I don't think there is one definitive list of Mm. basics that every woman should have in their wardrobe. I do think it really differs depending on on who you are. It depends on the person. It depends on your style. The more I think about it, the more I think about basics. Like, I have basics in my wardrobe, but they're not, like... 
the typical basic. Mm. Like they're they're not like a white t shirt and mm. a black coat. Mm. Like for me, my basic would be like a big fur coat. I have two, mm. but that's based on my style. So yeah. I think if you are looking at your wardrobe and you want some basic pieces, I think you need to look at your style as a whole, what you like, what you like to wear, and then have your basics off. Like if you're like a kind of a rock chick or you're kind of into mm. that look, then you're going to want a really good leather jacket. Exactly, that's going to be your mm. your kind of black blazer, yeah, say. Exactly, yeah. And whereas for me, I I'm, I'm, would be a bit of a maximalist, so I want colour. So I, I love a really lovely coloured dress I can wear all the time. I want a big coat. I want like coloured tops I want frills like that's just the way I base it off mm. um, so I think you ca- you can't turn around to a woman and be like you have to have two white t-shirts mm. and a white shirt mm. and because yeah. they might be like Ugh. yeah no I totally agree and I, I think to be fair I think my list of basics is, is probably fairly quintessential mm. yeah insofar as like yeah. the you know the black blazer and I have a, an Elizabeth and James black blazer in my wardrobe which I bought about 12 years ago and oh my god have I got the cost per wear yeah. like Fab. really love well probably never I feel like I will never have to buy another black blazer like that that one, has, one it's just it's the perfect shape and cut and it's just mm. it's good quality it's lasted so well so that's that's a really strong one for me and black tuxedo trousers which I have from Zara that I just wear I wear under dresses I wear them just you know with yeah. with the blaze or whatever I just get so much wear out of them and then I do always have a good white shirt in my wardrobe although I will not pay mm. money for a good mm. white shirt because it always ends up with makeup on the collar I know, I'm the always the yes. it just it, it just if does if only we knew a stylist <laughs> <laughs> what is the trick yeah we'll have to we'll have to find one there um, so cost in the sale is, yeah. is yeah. always I'll always pick up a good white shirt and and so I won't have you know one sort of quintessential white shirt in my wardrobe I'll, I'll, they'll change because mm-hmm. I keep buying them instead because they do I'd, I'm quite paranoid though about that that like collar mark that dirty yeah. collar mark I can't bear it yeah. once I see a hint of that it's gone yeah, yeah. And, when you're and, in a and, shop and yeah. you see that you're, you're yeah. just put off straight absolutely, away absolutely yeah. completely cheapens it cheapens um, yeah. absolutely and I think for me like wide leg trousers would be an absolute yeah. essential I always have wide leg trousers in my wardrobe and they always make, make me feel I feel like I can just pair anything with them and again mm. that's probably because I like a really fluid silhouette so I will wear something fluid over wide leg trousers mm. sometimes I don't feel like I have have to wear like a small kind of neat top so I find them like to be a very flexible piece for me in yeah. my wardrobe and I always have them and my favourite ones are actually the, the ones I bought recently Sarah you know them from Atrium in um, Paris Cortina Centre and god they're just fabulous yeah. they really are like they're, they're just they're such a great great buy I totally advise anyone to go and have a browse around Atrium mm-hmm. some, some really great pieces um, and I've yet to find my sort of absolute go-to t-shirt brand but I have bought some good ones in Finery London Arquette and Theo, the Irish brand Theo and George has yeah. some has some good ones as well although I, I, I must admit I don't have like a, a t-shirt brand that I'm like no, I always do. buy from. Yeah, I think Arcade is brilliant and I think they've really tapped into something there with everyone kind of trying to be more ethical and more sustainable yeah. and you know it is another it, it is under the Henny and Moritz isn't yes, it? Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, Umbrella, so they are the go-to if you want your your basics, you know, and that's how they've marketed themselves. Yeah. But I, for me, I am like the least basic bee on the planet, <laughs> you know. Like, I I want to have fun with fashion. Mm-hmm. I want to buy pieces for pieces, and but I've definitely realised, and from doing my little try on Tuesday videos, I've realised that I have so few basics of what you know is defined as a basic and I see all these videos you know the 10 ways to wear a white t-shirt and I'm like yeah but I kind of feel like that's kind of cheating like is that not obvious you know but maybe that's just me because I look at those videos I'm like wow you know every outfit looks really well 
But for me to put on a white t-shirt and a pair of jeans, I would kind of feel like I'm... I, I would feel like nothing. Showing yeah. off my personality or something. I, and I, I feel like that is a look that just, it just would look flat on me. Yeah. Like I need more, I need colour and I need more more shape and, and jeans aren't my favourite things to wear yeah. anyway. And I think it's funny because like that is something Victoria Beckham does really well because she has that fabulous high-waisted cut. Yeah. The t-shirt has a little bit of room in it, Giddy you know, off. and it's usually got the turn-up sleeve. So, you know, and the cropped trousers and stuff. a lot of time has to go into that and a lot of, almost a lot of soul searching yeah. to find your basics. I think it's harder it to find basics. And, I think someone like a simple style on Instagram mm. does it incredibly well. Mm. There's a girl up the north, um, her blog is Smith Sisters, and she has incredible style. Again, really, really basic pieces, but whatever combinations they do, it's like, yeah. oh, you know, that's given it a bit more life yeah. or I it's think, exciting. I think you have to be not that you have to be a certain person, but as you said, like you look at say jeans and a white mm. t-shirt I did that for one of the image videos mm. where I tried on a load of jeans and I said the white t-shirt and I was the same as you Marie I just felt kind of like I'd never wear this mm. I just feel so but I mean, meh. and the point of doing that was, was just to show off the jeans just was, to showcase yeah. the yeah. jeans but so that was more of a kind know, of it serviced the, the yeah. point of the video but, but it yeah. didn't service me no. in like my <laughs> your confidence tutorial sense yeah. but um, I, it's a lot harder to look um, kind of effortless with your basics and I think the whole when you think of a basic wardrobe for me anyway it's like so you've your jeans, you've plain t-shirts, camel. It's very relaxed, kind of kind of Scandinavian in a way. Mm. And like I look at people on Instagram, and I'm like, they look so mm. cool. I want to dress like that, but it there's a lot of work, there's a lot of movement mm. with there your t-shirts. And, and also, your, yeah. I do I do think you know when you when you go onto Instagram and you see all these fabulous Scandinavian women, they're all so beautiful. Oh, they they're stunning. They could put on a black bag. Totally. Like, yeah. Like I need help. Yeah. I need yeah. more help. Yeah. They beautiful skin hair, tone, good mm-hmm. skin. Fabulous figures. They're like Long legs. 5'11". You know, of course they're going to look good in yeah. a white t-shirt. Yeah. And as you say, they'd look good in a black bag. Yeah. But I I definitely have found from doing my try-on videos that like I still go to my wardrobe and I have like decision fatigue. I'm like, but what do I actually have to wear? Is you that know? because you've, have you got decision fatigue because there's too much in there? There's yeah, too many exactly. Options. So I've, I've started, I've done a massive call recently and I think I'm going to have to do one again because I just, I've, I've print on print and I've, you know, I have block colours, but nothing, I, I really need to do those outfit combinations for myself because I, I spend so much time doing them for my job yeah. yes. that I think then when I, like I, I've said it before, I need to look at myself as a bit of a project and I think there's so much more involved than just, like I, I would never go, oh, but I, I really need to buy a black t-shirt for that look mm, or yeah. whatever. And like maybe I should. It's mm. just been a bit more mindful it or... Is. I think, I do think as well, like I, I, I definitely think it is, um, like now that I'm older, I'm thinking a little, like I, as I said before we came into the podcast, like in my 20s, I just wanted the thing, the, the, thing, the yeah. beautiful piece. I wanted the thing that everybody was going to notice and I wanted the thing that was on trend and that said something about me and my knowledge of fashion and all of that. Like, and even in my in my 30s, you know, and I was going out a lot more, um, you know, I wanted the statement piece for a Saturday night or whatever, mm-hmm. like... Um, um, and I think, you know, my life is different now and, and I'm different. And although, you know, although I think I've got a lot of pieces that have that have that have character in them and, you know, that, that have personality in them, I definitely do think a little bit more like that. Like mm. the you know, I do think more about the about good t- about good t shirts. Yeah. Yeah. About good But you do you it know. in such a good way. Mm. It's your own way. Like I'd never look at you now and be like, 
well, she's just wearing a basic yeah. t-shirt or a basic top. It's like you've thought about it. It's considered, I think, the way I, you dress. Yeah, and I think as well because buy. I because I do um, embrace color. Mm-hmm. That always looks yeah. a little That's bit more a big consi- difference. considered. Yeah, totally. Whereas actually, yeah. what I'm wearing now is just a pair of culottes and and a and a and a, and a sweater. Just, just, a, just a, and but do you know that, what I mean? But that would be fabulous. a basic. That to mm. me now your red jumper would be a basic to me mm. but to other people that wouldn't be like sure what will you wear red with but I have oh, yeah. like a million different yes, scenarios yeah. in my head like for me with shopping let's say because I am in my 20s there is that kind of need in me that I'm like oh I have to you know have the coolest thing yeah. and wear whatever everyone else is wearing but everything comes down to money with me I don't have the money to mm. spend on clothes as much so when I do go into a shop now or if I'm shopping online if there's a piece there, I really have to think about how I'm going yeah. to wear it and how many times I'm going to wear it because obviously I don't, um, like I I don't go for basic pieces, so yeah. I can't. I just don't just buy like a camel coat and be like yeah. last me forever. I'm going. Yeah. I'll go for something well, like yeah. frills. Yeah, well, I wouldn't. I never go for a camel coat. Yeah. It just wouldn't do anything <laughs> yeah. for me. Like it just. Yeah. No, but I haven't moved on from that, and mm-hmm. I think it's kind of like the Peter Pan effect, like that I'm never going to grow up. I still, <laughs> I still want the the piece, you yeah. know, and say like there was recently. Um, a dress from Topshop that you know was all over Instagram whatever have it in my wardrobe haven't worn it there was recent now this is terrible I'm really exposing myself would it not actually put you off though that it was all over Instagram it, it wasn't. I, I would be fatigued by it then yeah, before it I even bought it. It wasn't all over Instagram when I bought it. Right, but sorry. Then, yeah. then it, it sold out, you know. And then there was the collaboration or the conscious collection that from H&M and had to have ha, mm-hmm. had to have the dress from that and hanging in my wardrobe, you know. And I've no doubt I will wear them, mm-hmm. but it's just. It, there's something in me that I need to know it's there in case yeah. I'm quizzed on my Honest, fashion, yeah. you know. No, like, you know, it's funny, like with something like, say, H&M Conscious Collection, because, you know, we we are um, we get to see them early mm, and all of that. I, mm. I tend to sort of get a little bit fatigued with what? with the, mm. those pieces, before you know, before I even get an opportunity to I buy do, them and then I'm sort of done. But I do yeah. because what I, with higher end stuff, with stuff that I know I can't afford mm. because I use it for shoots. Mm. So I get it out of, that out of my system, yes, you know, so even Yesterday, I was using, and it wasn't like massively expensive. It was beautiful Sandro plaid trench and divine, gorgeous. But I'll bring that back. And then in like two months time, I'll see people wearing it and be like, damn it, why didn't I buy that? You know, but I've kind of got a little, or there was a beautiful Ghani cropped um, cardigan that is fab. And they they could almost be basics, Mm. but I'm kind of, I'm kind of over them because I've had 24 hours in their company. (laughs) But you're probably looking at like, say you're saying that don't you want to have the new thing and blah blah and you're saying that you'd get fatigued mm. I think for you Sarah just by looking at what you wear I think like it wouldn't matter that everyone has it because you style it a completely different way like totally. I'd be the same if I I wouldn't really be fatigued by things I'd kind of be like yeah. oh, I'm sure everyone's wearing it but then if I got you'll it I'd, I'd do my own thing yeah. with it and it'd be completely that's different true. so yeah. I think that's that's a lot of where yeah. you're coming from I think yeah 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 that, or it's just fashion is just an addiction. That's <laughs> but I think it comes it comes down to like what like you say what you consider to yeah, be basics because that's the thing because color you're referencing this this kind of orangey red mm-hmm. sweater and you know color is a basic in my wardrobe mm-hmm. those kind of you know warm tones they are absolute basics in my wardrobe yeah. I you know I would feel like I would just disappear without them you know so. I think you have a capsule of color I do yeah, yeah. so you have six colors mm-hmm. you know say the burgundy the navy the orange and you will kind of 
Pull. They all kind of work together. Exactly. Yeah. Bit of cobalt blue. Yeah. yeah. Bit of cobalt, bit of cream or kind of off white. That's it. And, and they all kind yeah. of work in together. Yeah. Like, and I guess, and yeah, that's, that's so clever. That, that is, is so clever. Well, yeah, it was, and it was never, it was never mm. thought about. It's mm. just, um, I am just drawn to those, those gorgeous, rich autumnal mm. yeah. colours. I think everything about me is like autumnal, you know, so I, I was always Whereas drawn to them. I'm kind of a mix. Like, mm. I'm not autumn and I'm not summer. Like, mm. I kind of, I love bits you of love everything, bits of, yeah. you know, and it's not like things like I know obviously some things just don't work on me, yeah. but I don't get that. Oh, you know, that doesn't work. I kind of go, oh, yeah, you, no. could do. And you can see that from your try on Tuesday because it's 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 really funny. Some things that you put on and I, I, I literally am like, I could not put that on me. I just couldn't. You actually couldn't physically put it on. I couldn't physically put it on. Physically I, put it on me cause yeah. I, I just I would be like, I, who would I be? And yeah. I just, I yeah. know that just wouldn't yeah. work. Like, whereas you're so open and, you know, and I mean, you can wear a lot though. You, you know, you, can, you really yeah. can. Wear, I think wear an awful lot. That's a lot with being basic too. I have to be a bit more careful with what I buy because not everything is going to work. work. Yeah. Mm. So like even the top I'm wearing today is like a crap cardigan. And this is kind of a basic, but it's more the shape because it's crapped. Yeah. I kind of try and keep my waist kind of mm. visible. D- visible. Mm. So then I don't look very like out of balance. So I think it, it it depends on the person too. But you were saying about summer and winter too. Winter is much easier to buy basics for it than summer. Mm. And even your mm. time about the sales this morning, Marine, saying what's left is flimsy and it's not it's not great. Whereas so I'd never if I was to buy a basic, I would never get anything from spring summer. No, it would always be autumn yeah. winter. Mm-hmm. I'd say I think yeah. I think we all, and I don't mean us here, but I think sort of as as a rule, Irish women do tend to invest in. In you know autumn winter clothes and and the essentials because I mean it's just the yeah. year in fairness yeah. so you know it, it makes sense it's <laughs> even during the summer pragmatic choice cold. yeah <laughs> so thanks guys I think that wraps it up for today and um, stay tuned I'm going to be talking to um, the wonderful Alex Calder next. Kildare Village's extraordinary summer sale is now on with savings across some of our favourite boutiques like DKNY, LK Bennett and Reese. This week I'm delighted to introduce Alex Calder to Smart Casual. She's a digital strategist and content creator with particular expertise in the field of design. She was communications and social media manager for Irish Design 2015 and she has an incredible sense of personal style. Welcome, Alex. Thank you. So, Alex, I first heard of you um, through my former co-host on Smart Casual, Nevo Donoghue, who uh, put together a feature for Image magazine a couple of years ago on the best Irish Instagram accounts to follow, and yours was one of them. And that's when I first came across um, your Instagram account. I always think looking at it now, obviously I started following you straight away. When I look at your account now, it's almost like reading a novel. It is so, it's sort of the visual equivalent of reading a novel, I always feel. It's, it's it's so beautifully curated and it's like a story. It's 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 characterful. It's engaging. I almost want to be part of it. How did you start this account? Why did you start it? That's amazing to hear. I mean, I've never it's, it's never been described to me like that before. That's a beautiful description. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I started, I suppose I was quite an early adopter. I was, I started using Instagram in 2011 and um, I remember it being a kind of like a wasteland because there was nobody on it. I think I had one friend one and, and my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, we were on it and, and another friend was on it. So we were all just sort of rattling around there in Instagram. And um, I, I was using it like steadily since ever since. And it Instagram as a platform grew, has grown exponentially, obviously, since then. And 
I think maybe just my longevity on the platform allowed me to um, adapt the way I took photographs. Because when I look back at old photographs, I think, that God, that's awful. I would never post that now. But spending time on it, because, you know, we all spend so much time on Instagram, you see other people's um, style and the way people are posting and the sort of photos they're taking and the edits they're using. And then you sort of become influenced by that and adapt how you create the content on it. And what's really fascinating to me is that you actually have two Instagram accounts, your personal Instagram account um, and your equine account, which is called Between Two Ears, um, which is equally beautiful and has an amazing 39,500 followers, I think. Um, You also have a full-time job. I know you're on maternity leave at the moment. You have an eight-month-old son. How do you find the time to create, to curate two such beautiful Instagram accounts and you know, do all the other things in your life. I, I find that fascinating because I would find Instagram, my, my sort of little experience of it, so it's quite taxing. Well, I think for me, Instagram is very second nature nowadays because I also I do it for work. Part of my work is social media. So um, I have, I think, five accounts on my phone right there that I, wow. um, that I would manage generally. Um, and it's, yeah, I have, of course... Uh, sort of slowed down in my posting since having the baby um, and I also am conscious of using the phone around him because he his eyes are drawn to it instantly from from the beginning from when he was a really tiny baby so I have tried to pull back a bit um, with the equestrian account when I was pregnant I couldn't ride so that really took a back seat and I wasn't posting a lot on it um, and I've, I've started riding again so I'm posting more but I also would also often have a big stockpile of images especially for the, the equestrian account because um, life gets in the way of riding too much for me at the, at the moment so I need to stockpile images in order to be able to post um, but I do like to keep a sense of uh, reality especially on my personal account I like I don't like to post images from a, a weeks ago because I wanted to reflect now and I wanted to reflect what I'm doing as much as possible. And that's why I love Instagram stories as well, because that, that would be the platform that I use most now is stories, because it's it's more immediate and you don't have to be as well. I've not everybody is going to be so exacting about their images, maybe. But I only want to post what I want to post on my grid. But there's a lot of other images I take that I would post on stories. And, and I love the narrative quality of stories and how you can. Um, play with it and how you can do polls and you can do questions and everything. And I imagine um, perhaps that's a more relaxing side to it um, because you can be a little bit more free and easy with the story side of it as opposed to the tiles, which, as you say, you like to keep beautifully curated um, and, I guess, reflecting of what's going on in your life right now. Do you ever, I mean, maybe it's a silly question because it's it's your work as well as, as, as your personal life, but, I mean, do you ever tire of social media? Yes, Definitely. I'm glad to hear that. (laughs) I don't. um, And there's a lot of conversation on Instagram at the moment about it as a platform and its um, detrimental effect in a lot of ways. Um, But personally, I've never allowed it to affect me in that way. I think I don't. I think when people complain about um, accounts that they make, that, that they say make them feel a certain way, the obvious answer to me is to stop following them because there's no obligation to follow. It's so it's such and such an influencer or whatever or me or anybody. You know, your Instagram is it's a very personal place and it should be you should fill it with accounts that you love and that that bring you joy to look at rather than stress you out. So you're completely in control of it. And and 
the same with the ads that you're shown. You're completely in control of those. You can um, hit the three dots and tell the ad to go away and the algorithm will learn and it'll stop showing you the kind of stuff you don't want to see. So from a, from a stress perspective, I think that's useful to remember. But having said that, of course, I do um, become jaded sometimes, especially if I'm sitting in the office and I'm seeing somebody, uh, lots of people on holiday. That's one that always gets me. I think I want to be on holiday. I don't <laughs> want to be in the office. Um, I, And then I think you, it's important to just to rem- to look at your own Instagram sometimes objectively and go, wow, I do have a lovely life as well. I mean, look what I'm projecting. It's We're all projecting. We're all showing our highlight reels. So somebody is making you feel bad, but you're possibly making somebody else feel bad. So it's a cyclical kind of a thing. That's a lovely phrase. I think your highlight reel. And I think that really sums up what um, social media, what Instagram is. It's, it's a highlight reel yeah. as opposed to real life. And I mean, yours is, is incredibly aspirational. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it really is. I, mean, I am very lucky as well. I live in a beautiful place and you, I have... You beautiful do. horses and beautiful things around yeah, you and beautiful and people and, and yes, <laughs> beautiful baby. <laughs> Tell me, Alex, about your interest in design, because obviously that's kind of, you know, where you what you specialize in. As I said, you were the social media manager for Irish Design 2015, which is a huge job mm. and, and must have been an incredible experience. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, um, it was it was an incredible year and we achieved a lot. I think I think from a perspective of design in Ireland and putting design on the map, a lot was achieved, and but which is possibly not obvious from the outside. But um, there is there's a lot kind of happening at an education level at the third, and a sort third of a ground level. level. Yeah, and mm. in, in the ter- in the form of grants and things for um, getting design into business. And I think Enterprise Ireland have now taken design on as a more serious thing, which is which was one of the objectives. Um, but I was. Um, I suppose I grew up with design because my parents are both, um, my father was the creative director of an advertising agency and my mother was a fashion illustrator um, until that stopped being possible, like, you know, until photography took over, which actually coincided with her having me and my sister. So it's sort of convenient um, for us to have our mother at home. And um, so they are very, both very creative people and they now are both painters, painters. So they have always, they've always imposed, not in a negative way, but their sense of design and aesthetics have always been there in my life. Of course, and and you've sort of absorbed it. Yeah, and their friends are mostly, a lot of them would be from the advertising world as well. So um, I think that sort of media, design, advertising world is what I grew up in. Mm. Um, So second nature to you really. yeah so working in it was always something I was interested in and when I was um, when I had f- when I was trying to decide what to do um, after school I said I wanted to work in advertising and my father said absolutely not because he, he'd had enough by that point and he'd retired and, and now and I ended up in marketing so he didn't really <laughs> he couldn't stop me ultimately and why did you go in that direction because I'm just, I mean, you're you're incredibly creative, incredibly visual. Um, obviously, you have a passion for photography. That's that's clear from from your Instagram account. Um, why did you go down that route, marketing stroke advertising? Which to me, um, I guess I think of as being maybe a little bit more clinical. 
Yeah, well, what I did after school, what I studied was history and politics um, because that's something I love as well. Mm. And I did have like that fork in the road when I was in the, in sixth year going thinking, do I want to go to art college or do I want to study history? Because I really, really loved history. I really I still do love history. Um, and uh, yeah, it was pr- probably a bit of it was my parents' influence saying, well, you know, there's no real career prospects if you go to art college. Because I think it was quite different then as well. That was when was that the start of the millennium 2002 mm-hmm. um so the creative industries hadn't taken off in the same way sure. as they perhaps have now um so I, I studied history and I did a master's in London in history and from there I went into PR because that was that's quite a normal route out of the humanities is in, sure. into PR um which then morphed into marketing with a brief stint working in film and as a costume designer <laughs> that's right I read that on your LinkedIn profile that sounded fascinating did you enjoy it it was amazing yeah it, I did it for three years it was um I was in working in PR in London and the recession hit and we lost most of our clients in the agency wow. so I took voluntary redundancy and came home because life as a junior in London on a tiny salary was tough going not the most fun after however many years I'd been there and um, my older sister is a costume designer and she said do you want to be my assistant so I was like this is amazing fantastic, fantastic. so I did that for three years we did a lot of mostly did commercials um, which was uh, like it's really hard work really 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 mm. tough work and anybody who works full time in film um, has should have everybody should give them the utmost respect because they work incredibly yeah. hard and the, the the days are really long. Um, but it's really fun as well, mm. and there's a great kind of camaraderie among crew mm. and everything. And during those three years, obviously you enjoyed it massively. Did it ever make you question the choice you had made to go into sort of marketing, um, having been in that sort of incredibly creative environment for three years? Um, mm, I'm not sure. I I didn't. I don't think I thought about it that way as rigidly. I thought. I thought well, that was what I was doing and now I'm doing this. And more fluid, you had yeah. a more fluid approach, I guess. And then, but I did, it, I didn't like the freelance aspect of it. I think freelance work is, is challenging, you know, you're you're chasing invoices and mm. once one job ends, you don't know when the next job's going to come. So I, I did get to a point where I thought, mm, maybe I'll go back into office life and a job came up that was perfect for me. I thought this is, like, they're, this there couldn't be a better job. It was doing um, social media marketing for an equestrian company. So I I then got that job and did that for two or three years, and it, it was amazing. So it's, combining your kind of passion with work yeah. and it's the dream, really, yeah, isn't it? Was, it? Yeah, it's brilliant. Um, a lot of I mean, you're a social media expert, really, by any um, standards. A lot of social media experts are are younger, are probably in their sort of more like late twenties, early thirties, um, because I guess they've they've grown up, you know, with with a sort of a virtual life to some extent um, or, or another. Why do you think you you took to it so easily, smoothly? I I really I'm in my forties. I I really don't enjoy um, mm. social media a huge amount. Um, you know, I I kind of find it it's something that I that I need to do as opposed to something that I really enjoy doing. Um, and it never feels all that natural to me to, yeah. to be doing it. And I'm, I'm just wondering why you think you... Is um, it because, you you know, you're obviously a talented photographer and it gave you a platform? Is it something like that? No, I think my photography developed through the use of Instagram. And, and I had a, a conversation with a photographer recently enough where I 
was saying, I don't feel like I'm a photographer because I use a phone and I use an app to edit. Like, I don't know about light and I don't know about settings and, you know, really the principles of photography. But there, I think there are there is a place in the world now for mobile photography, which mm-hmm. is a different discipline nearly to true photography. And um, Instagram made me better at photography me like wanting to to be better on Instagram yeah made me take better fit photos and edit better um make a certain aesthetic um but I a large part of my uh ease in social media I suppose is from that job the equestrian uh role in it's a company called Horseware which is one of the biggest in the world and it's here in Ireland it's an Irish company um I was just allowed to I had free reign. It was 2012, so so social media was kind of like the Wild West. It was mm. still mad. Like, you could still do all sorts of ridiculous things in terms of uh, data protection that you would never be allowed to do now. Um, and I was just given the platforms and, like, allowed to run with it and do what I wanted. So it's that like was... A, a, yeah, amazing learning curve. Yeah, 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 it was a really good way to learn and to develop um, abilities. And, and I, I was young, so I was more plugged into it. Mm. So it was... Um, now I do feel like I'm 34, but I'm already like, oh my God, what's this new thing? I can't give up anymore. <laughs> well, um, it does. It is changing so fast, isn't yeah. it? I mean, I think that's the difficulty with it as well, is that it's changing constantly. So once you think you've got a handle on it, there's some new algorithm or I'm not even platform. sure. Platform. platform. I'm, I'm not even sure if I'm using the right jargon yeah. here. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they keep inventing these new things and that this is what the kids love. And it's like, okay, it's okay. Facebook will somehow crush them. It'll be fine. <laughs> um, you seem to have a really cohesive aesthetic across your, you know, personal style, your, you know, kind of interior style and your equine style. You know, it's all very seamless. Um, how would you describe your aesthetic? And are you ever influenced by trends at all? My aesthetic, I suppose, is uncluttered, uh, even though I have to fight that because I do make mess a mess in my house and sometimes I put on too many things to wear and then I like, no, no, take it off, wear it back, <laughs> be cool. Um, it's quite simple. and But I did have to learn that as well. Um, my mother is massive influence on my style she's very she's very restrained and very uh, sort of genteel and elegant and um, she always guided me as a teenager and in my early 20s to what she thought looked best on me which often I would sort of be like you don't know what's cool but um, I now (laughs) agree with her and um, she's she's sort of honed me in her image in this sort of more sort of simple minimal um uncluttered look and I should say for listeners that um, if they want to see and read about you and your beautiful mother that you're actually in the July-August issue of Image magazine both of you talking about your style which is a a really beautiful piece and uh, the the copy was was just beautiful for both of you it was a really really lovely piece so So we the way we did that was we spoke and my husband recorded it and then I, I wrote it up because I felt we felt it would be more natural. And um, so that it's all in the front of my mind, that kind of influence she's had. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would I, I do, of course, um, f- go follow trends and that like at the moment I'm really into big wide trousers or have been for a while and wearing a lot of cream and beige and things. Um, but I definitely when I was younger, I would have felt myself sucked into fashion more mm. and had to pull back from that because 
it's not always right for you yeah. and it's also you know it's it's um it's got a very short lifespan sometimes and I'm a person who's always wanted my clothes to last for a long time and be relevant for a long time and I don't I don't want my clothes to be things that I don't want to wear anymore because they look crap after a year. And I was just going to say actually from what I've seen of of your style through your Instagram account today you know the beautiful image of you with your mum the pieces have longevity without a shadow of a doubt they are classic timeless but a little bit directional too I would say you're um there's there's nothing sort of you know sometimes classic can veer into stale yes so it's it, it's very you very much sort of em- embrace that sort of directional side of fashion I think yes. as well yeah I know what you mean and I I have quite broad shoulders so I'm able to carry a certain um, with like you know a billowy sort of look mm-hmm. which so isn't going to work on everybody because it, it can swamp people um, I think. I, I do have a t- I do like dramatic statements as well, like a dramatic coat and or big sleeves, um, so that comes into mm-hmm. how I wear things. And I, I think I, I I think the equestrian style has also influenced my everyday style, just being part of that world since I was a child. Um, wearing because we have to when we compete we have to wear very strict clothes as a uniform you need to wear a tweed jacket or a navy jacket and white jodhpurs or beige jodhpurs depending on which jacket you're wearing and um, I even have a tailcoat and a top hat for (laughs) competing for international you're you're the first guest on the podcast who said they've got a top hat and a tailcoat (laughs) and it's beautiful I mean I've only worn it a handful of times because you only get to wear it at um, high level competition and actually I think probably since I've competed the regulations have changed and you're no longer allowed to wear top hats Aww. which is sad but I still have the top hat um, and I have photographs of me <laughs> cantering in the top hat um, but that that uh, and the very long heritage and history of equestrian fashion and, and style has definitely influenced me in, in that I love I do love heritage um, clothing and I do love a sort of military style as well, mm. a kind of um, voluminousness to the arm that a hussar might have on his shirt in Russia in the 1700s. And then my love of history as well. That's yeah, of course, it, it all, it. as I was saying, your your whole aesthetic um, is, is so seamless, so kind of cohesive, I think. And um, it's interesting how your interest in history... Um, you know, equestrianism, it, it all sort of ties in and blends. Um, there's something, and I think as well, that's what comes across in your Instagram accounts. There's an authenticity there that I think is um, is very appealing and perhaps not always um, on, you know, something that you find on in, on Instagram as often as you might like. Um, just, I always love to ask um, guests where they shop because I always think reader, or listeners rather like to know which brands would you um, kind of would be your go-to brands? Cost, definitely. Um, I feel like everybody says that. <laughs> but that's so. okay because it's fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> it is, but it, and it does, it gives you that timeless style with a directional edge. Mm-hmm. And um, I have bought a couple of things from Arket recently, which is another H&M brand. It's a great store. Yeah. yeah. Mm. We don't have one here, unfortunately, but, um, and I don't really love buying stuff without having tried it on, but mm. um, the few things I have bought from them have been lovely um, and they have lovely baby things. And I love Joseph. Um, I generally buy it in the sale. I also really like Victoria, Victoria Beckham, mm. also on, in the sale. Um, and I, when I was working in film, it really kind of inoculated me against the high street to a certain extent, the the, the proper high street. The majority of the I'm high street, I'm going to leave yeah. Cross off the high street. Yeah. Um, 
because we were a lot because the budgets are tiny, so we're spending a lot of time in pennies and in Zara and in H and M. Um, you kind of get you go in first and you think, oh my god, everything's amazing, I want everything, and then you go in the next day and the next day and the next day, and you're like, mm, it's not really, it's actually not that nice at mm. all. And it helps you to to refine what you like, I think, because mm. it helps you to to stop being blinded by the new and and shiny and yeah, yeah. and go for the things that you actually like. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. Alex, it's been wonderful having you here. I've really enjoyed chatting to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been great to be here. This episode of Smart Casual was brought to you in collaboration with Kildare Village. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, make sure to rate, review and subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes and Spotify. 